Welcome to today's Fallon Forum. Before we get started, I want to thank some of the local businesses in the Des Moines Metro that make this program possible. Uh, Gateway Market and Cafe, that's my grocery store, and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They've also got a catering service. Gateway Market located at 20th and Woodland in the Sherman Hill neighborhood. Uh, thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been taking care of critters large and small for over 30 years. That's Story County Veterinary Clinic. Uh, thanks also to Ritual Cafe. Ritual is located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines. Fair trade coffee, fair trade tea, and an all-vegetarian menu. Thanks also to Bold Iowa, building urban and rural, co- rural coalitions to fight climate change and push back against the abuse of eminent domain for pipelines. Thanks also to Catering by Sid. Sid Cohn has been using uh, fresh and local ingredients and customizes all of her catering arrangements. And that's uh, Catering by Sid, owned by Sid Cohn. And finally, thanks to uh, Cinco de Mayo Restaurant on Southeast 14th Street. Authentic Mexican food at very affordable prices with great service. That's Cinco de Mayo Restaurant. Okay, folks, welcome to today's Fallon Forum. Later in the program, Joel Curtinitis is joining us. We're going to talk about civility in political discourse. And then later, Joel and I are going to argue about climate change. But we'll do it in a nice, friendly, kinder, and gentler way. I'll also talk later in the program about my New Year's resolutions. But to kick us off, Jamie Woodson is with us. Jamie is uh, the proprietor of Enchanted Mystical Boutique and has been reading tarot cards uh, since the Middle Ages, I believe. <laughs> 30 years. Okay, 30 years. Well, yeah. I, I was off by a few uh, centuries. Sorry about that. But And you look, you look great. Um, you. <laughs> anyway, you know, Donald Trump has been... Um, has been uh, there have been plenty of people who have been suggesting that Donald Trump um, could benefit from paying attention to uh, some of the more esoteric elements of our society. And um, there was a BBC story recently uh, that said people are lonely and angry and tarot cards help them to cope with insecurity in these difficult times. The focus of that article was not so much on Donald Trump needing a tarot card reading, but on people needing some sense of connection to a deeper self, a deeper reality because of all the stress and drama that's being created, again, not just because of the Trump administration, but because of so much else going on in the world. Anyway, with that long introduction to this um, uh, this interesting opportunity, uh, Jamie, tell us a little bit first about your own background, about the, uh, the business that you operate. Okay, so Enchanted Mystical Boutique. We're on 3621 Ingersoll. We are a female-owned, locally-owned business. Um, we have metaphysical supplies. Um, we have a lot of local um, artists and artisans who sell their wares there. Um, and we also have a tarot salon, so you can come by anytime and get a tarot read, schedule a tarot read. And we have classes and workshops. And we just got started in October, but it's been it's been great. Yeah. And normally when somebody does a tarot card reading, they pull the cards themselves. I do have But since Donald Trump couldn't be here today to do that, how do we make that work? Well, I just went ahead and pulled the cards. Randomly. Mm Mm-hmm. In lieu of, with the energy of his administration on it. How do you do that? So just concentrating on his administration, as hard as it was. (laughs) Is that uncomfortable? (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're on a news freeze. Um, So I did that, and then I pulled these cards, which I think are interesting. Um, I'm kind of excited to get going on talking about what those are. All right. Let us know. All right. 
Well, the first card I pulled for the Trump administration is the Three of Stones, um, Three of Pentacles in a lot of decks. And that is slow going. That is work. So it tells me that there's just a lot of there's a lot of energy being put forth to get through every day they have there. Okay, does that make sense? That means that they are really focusing on holding it together. <laughs> okay, well, and, that, and that's a trait that one would hope exists in any administration. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, okay. Exactly. In their desires, I got the Five of Swords. Now, the Five of Swords is the card of, like, mental defeat. It's when you are worried about everything. Um, and this in their desires tells a lot because this is where they're coming from. So it's like they're already defeated and they know it because this card is a mental card, a card of air, mind. So coming from that, <clears throat> this card in their desires just tells me that I, I think everything is just falling apart there. And, and this is, again, specifically regarding the president himself, but... I'm doing the Trump administration. The whole administration? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Now, so, some cards might come up about him, but we'll get gotcha. there. Okay. So the next card that I pulled, this Wheel of Fortune... Um, seen that game on TV. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. Um, <laughs> I so. In this in this position, this was uh, kind of what spirit guides want us to know about this administration, and so the wheel comes to us when there's change. Okay, um, and the wheel life is full of the ebb and the flow, and so the wheel can go up, the wheel can go down. So it tells me that there's change coming. So it could be good. It could be bad. That remains to be seen. That means to Trump. To Trump, that means he's going to get his wall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe we'll see. Who knows what? I it didn't means. pull the read on the wall, but okay. anyway. So they, there is a lot of change going on in, in the in okay. the administration. So I pulled an interesting card for the immediate future for the administration. I pulled the Page of Wands, and this card's a beautiful card. It's Radiates. Yeah. And pages is, is page of wands is a tarot card, and it means new beginnings, okay. new outlooks, new desires. Um, it's a very playful card. It's a very fun card. So I don't know if some new energy is going to come in. Maybe it's a female who's going to help re-energize that administration. But that's what I pulled. It's probably not Sarah Sanders. That doesn't look like her, does no. it? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not even her energy, but yeah. So that's in the immediate future. So the the reads I do are on a moon cycle. So that's with like within the next couple weeks. Twenty eight days altogether. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this would be two weeks. Okay. So because we're halfway through the current moon cycle. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. What's interesting to me for the last card that I pulled, I pulled the star card, which is the card of blessings. So. It reminds me that as dysfunctional as his administration is, um, like if you look at the big picture of why he's even up there, he's serving as a catalyst. Obviously, the United States and the way our government is run, we had to go through something like this to hopefully get to something better. So when I saw this card, that's immediately what I thought of. And um, it's... Even as ugly as it is, we're actually probably just seeing what really goes on up there. He's just blatant enough to not hide anything. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't back down. He just, you know. So uh, to me, this is like, we need government reform. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, there's a purpose 
as hard as it is to swallow that, there's a purpose to all this. Now, is it possible that the the catalyst for change exists within the current administration and that and that um, with the previous card about new insights mm-hmm. and whatnot, that, that Donald Trump is going to suddenly realize, aha, climate change is happening. We need to do something about it. Aha, there is a strategy to... Um, to addressing the immigration crisis without building a wall. Is, is that at all possible? I, you know, he's completely unpredictable. I mean, We've it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, what? Anybody can change. But, yeah, these are just the cards I pulled in this moment. Now, nobody can read the future right. uh, because everybody has free will. But this is the energetic pattern that we're seeing right now today. It may be more likely than the, than the uh, prospect that I just offered is the prospect that because of the dramatic... Um, uh, wave of um, <laughs> wave of disruption that we've seen in this administration. It's going to usher in through the help of the American people uh, in subsequent elections and through all sorts of grassroots actions. It's going to it's going to usher in a a, um, a a new direction that is indeed going to um, <clears throat> take us away from mm-hmm. the uh, the direction we've been heading recently. Is that that's I mean, one can hope so. Okay. <laughs> Well, either possibility so. would be welcome, right? I mean, if Trump, yeah. if Trump has this amazing conversion and suddenly says, aha, you know, I've done some wrong things here. I've got it right. I've got to do it right now. Yeah. Well, he's definitely, you know, like I said, again, he is a catalyst for change, I believe. Yeah. Well, according to this read, that's right here. He would probably agree with you. I'm sure he would. <laughs> but he might, he might define <laughs> he catalyst just, and change differently. He, yeah, he'd probably just say it differently. Yeah. Any any final words on, on this? Um, actually, it's really not as scary as I thought it would be. I mean, I thought I'd see more sword cards on this side, which would mean more disruption and more chaos, but I didn't. So, so keep hope this alive. is what the cards are wanting to show us. So right. this yeah. is where we're at. And again, mostly, you, you normally you don't do this for presidents. No. <laughs> or their entire administrations, but normally you're doing this with, with individuals. Yes. And that, that happens at your at your, your shop. Uh, in yes, at our tarot salon. Okay. Yes. It's very yeah. therapeutic. And if people want to get in touch with you, what do they do? They can call um, the store at 491-3928. Yeah, 515-3928. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or they can email us at enchanted.dsm at gmail. Got it. Or go to our Facebook page, Enchanted Mystical Boutique. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. uh, We'll get a picture of these cards here and and, and tweet that to President Trump and see what he thinks. I would love that. I would love to see what he says. All right, so hang on to them. I am. All right. (laughs) Folks, we'll be back in just a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the Lively Cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa Farms and Iowa Producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market, serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's H-O-Q-table.com. 
Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price every time. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 515-246-8149. That's 515-246-8149. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. Bold Iowa was launched in 2016 to fight the Dakota Access Pipeline and continues to support the landowners who filed lawsuits against the abuse of eminent domain to build that pipeline. Bold Iowa's mission is to build rural-urban coalitions to fight climate change, prevent the abuse of eminent domain, protect Iowa's soil, air, and water, and support non-industrial renewable energy systems. For more information, visit boldiowa.com, not .org.com. That's boldiowa.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Uh, thanks for joining us today. You can always hear this program live on the dial in central Iowa on Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. And you can also catch it uh, rebroadcast on stations in Ames, 89.1 FM, KHOI. Also in Iowa City on KICI. And we also rebroadcast on stations in Fayette, Missouri and in New Orleans, Louisiana. So... You know, New Year's resolutions, I used, to, I used to do 20 of them. I think, well, you know, I, should, I, should, I can do this. I would, um, I would lay out 20 New Year's resolutions, and I might accomplish five. And so as I got a little older and perhaps a little smarter, I would narrow it down to 10. And I'd still maybe do four or five, maybe three. And so I finally got to the point where I just decided, you know, I'm going to do one or maybe two New Year's resolutions. And one of them, this, this will come as no surprise to anybody who knows me, but one New Year's resolution is to work my tail off to, to move people forward on climate action. Because, uh, again, if the uh, situation wasn't viewed as urgent earlier, I don't see how you can avoid any sense of urgency now. Here, here in the Midwest, I mean, we're loving this 50-degree weather, but we know if we are paying attention, that that's probably not what our soil needs. It's not what our uh, insect populations need. Um, who knows what other things are going to come about because we haven't had a real winter. I dug a spade into the soil yesterday, and there was hardly any frost. I mean, right in. Normally, you can't get a spade into the ground this time of year. Right in. My other New Year's resolution is to um, meditate because even though I need to be more active and focused, I also need to be more calm. My coworker Sherry would appreciate this. So a lot of people would appreciate this. So I'm trying to uh, meditate every single day for this year, except I always, I always take Sundays off from every obligation. That's usually the day I go for a long walk. So, yeah, I, I try to meditate uh, six days a week. 
and it's going okay. I'm easily distracted. And I want to read you um, a bit from my book because I I wrote what I thought was a nice reflection on meditation while I was walking on the Great March for Climate Action. Now, I had been walking a lot with... uh, with uh, Shira Wolberg and Steve Martin, and they both left the march. Uh, Steve left after Shira. And so this, uh, this section starts with me recognizing that now I'm walking alone a lot because I, I preferred to be off on my own for various reasons, uh, oftentimes. And so here's what I write. With Steve gone, my marching day becomes increasingly contemplative. I often avoid the route Sarah and Anna have laid out and tack on extra miles to walk quiet roads or detour through small towns in search of a cafe with internet and large servings of bad food. Western Nebraska is sparsely inhabited, but underappreciated, exuding a wealth of sights, sounds, and smells too abundant to catalog. The lack of traffic liberates me from fear that the next car or truck barreling past could maim or kill me. My focus shifts from survival to the alluring world around me, and to the even more alluring world within. Marching becomes meditation, my footsteps the mantra. I see the fields, ditches, trees, irrigation pivots, fence lines, homes, and outbuildings. I hear the dog bark, the cow bellow for her calf, the cardinal sing to his mate, the warm breeze rustle the chest-high corn. I smell the white clover, the fresh-cut hay, the comfortable scent of horses, the acrid pungency of too many hogs. All this and so much more drifts through my senses in slow motion, visual, audio, and olfactory B-roll, the canvas for the actual performance of life itself. My mind focuses on the repetitive rhythmic crunch of shoes on gravel. It clears my head and brings a sense of peace. I recall the meditation course I took at age 16. The 10-minute introductory session induced an unexpected inner calm that remained with me the rest of the day. Nothing bothered me. Not the blackberry thorns that tore at my skin as I harvested the plant's fruit. Not my mother's nagging. Not my brother Bill calling me names for sport. Years later, after a long day hitchhiking through the French Alps, I landed high up in the mountains at a Buddhist monastery. Sitting for hours with the monks as they chanted Om the sound playing off ancient stone walls that once housed Catholic monks, I noticed how the mantra would roll through six or more unique tones in one recitation. Decades later, on a work day during my campaign for governor, I thought about that experience as I made tiramisu at Cafe Dodici, an Italian restaurant in Washington, Iowa. The restaurant's young, artistic chef showed me how to blend the egg yolks, Watch how many different shades of yellow they go through, like 15 or 20, he explained excitedly. It's awesome, as if you're watching the universe unfold in a mixing bowl. But you'll need some tunes to really bring it home, he said as he flipped a switch, sending loud rap music blaring through the kitchen. Ohm, egg yolks, footsteps. There are endless aids to center oneself on the path to enlightenment. But a mantra isn't stagnant white noise. It's alive, rich with motion and texture. My right heel's first contact with gravel produces a deep tone. There is a sudden decrescendo as the foot begins to roll forward. The pitch and volume rise as my weight shifts to the ball of my foot, and the left heel moves into place to repeat the pattern. 
Every four steps, my walking stick punctuates the rhythm with a sharp sforzando as it grinds into the loose gravel. Right, left, right, left, right, left. Seven million times, and that's only the beginning. Like waves breaking on a beach, my footsteps roll through gravel, through Nebraska, toward infinity, toward eternity. At times like this, my mind seems to get it, the technique and purpose of meditation, directing the hungry soul toward the peace that comes with knowing one's higher self, is so simple and so transparently important. Yet more often than not, my mind remains restless, distracted by both beauty and ugliness, unable to focus on the deeper truth that transports one beyond appearance, beyond pleasure and pain. Forty years ago, my first meditation was a uniquely powerful experience, but life's pressing demands lured me away from the pursuit of inner peace. Perhaps had I continued to meditate, continued to cultivate the balance that such practice brings, I'd be able to better manage the climate march's turmoil with more dignity. Perhaps meditating during my solo walks on back roads might yet help me deal with the challenges ahead, help me avoid tempestuous outbursts. A dog barks. I re-enter the world of the senses. What kind of dog is that? Is it on a leash? Does it bite? A bird sings. Wren or finch? Will the cafe in the next town serve real butter? I hope I don't run out of wet wipes today. I suck at meditation, even under the tutelage of a guru as patient as western Nebraska's gravel roads. That's an excerpt from my book, uh, Marcher Walker Pilgrim. Tell you more about that later, but when we come back from a break, Joel Curtinitis is going to join us, and we're going to talk about civility and politics, and then we're going to fight about climate change. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Again, a quick shout-out to some of our local business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store located at 20th and Woodland. Uh, excellent place for breakfast, lunch, and supper as well. And they've also got a catering service. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Uh, thanks also to Community CPA and Associates with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. For all your tax and accounting needs, give Yingsa Community CPA a shout. And, it, and again, this is the season for that. Thanks also to Hawk Restaurant located on East 5th and Wallet in East Village, where 90% of the food served, even in January, comes from local sources. Uh, thanks to Sergeant's Garage located at 6th and College. They've been working on my dilapidated vehicles for over four generations of cars at Sergeant's Garage. Uh, thanks also to Bold Iowa, building urban and rural coalitions to fight climate change and push back against the abuse of eminent domain. Uh, and thanks also to Diversity Insurance, located at 1541 East Grand in Des Moines. Uh, get all your insurance needs covered under one roof. No appointment needed. Stop by. That's Diversity Insurance. All right, welcome back to the Fallon Forum again. Thanks to our host studio here, Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM in Des Moines. And thanks to the stations in Iowa and around the country that rebroadcast this program. If you miss a live broadcast, you can always catch the podcast on the Fallon Forum website. And, of course... Right now, to those in Facebook country, we are we are live streaming 
each of the segments of this program. And with me in the studio is Joel Curtinitis, my favorite conservative libertarian. Well, actually, I have a whole list of favorite conservative libertarians. Oh, goodness. Who am I up against? <laughs> Chuck Hurley. Oh, okay. <laughs> Li- libertarian might be a stretch for him. Well, yeah, yeah. Might... He's libertarian only in certain narrow ways. I think you're right there. <laughs> so anyway, um, you wrote a piece recently that um, I think made a lot of sense, talking about the importance of civility in politics. We certainly don't have uh, that all the time or maybe even often. And it seems to be, um, to me, it seems that most of that is fueled by partisans who want to divide so they can conquer and the media who find that it improves ratings. Mm -hmm. Your take? Yep. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, you know, from a from a personal standpoint, a lot of times it just takes less effort to uh, to just skip the whole discernment thing and just go straight into lobbing bombs. And uh, and so I, th- I think a lot of people sort of go that route because we, we don't want to think too deeply about it. We, we have people that we develop trust with and then they give their opinion on something. And we don't know whether that was, you know, a, a well-calculated seasoned opinion or whether it was a drunken rant at two in the morning. Right. Um, but we just sort of say, well, I like this person, so I'm going to go with that opinion. And then and then it just becomes Confirmation bias from that point on, where you just attack whoever attacks it. Yeah, and it's 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 um it's become more of a problem in recent years. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Oh yeah. Well, it, I always hesitate to say that because there's other times in U.S. history that it's been extremely toxic and divided, and you can see a lot of similar traits. But I would say, for my lifetime, it's it's gotten increasingly. What are worse. some of those mm-hmm. uh, periods of time? Well, uh, pre-Civil War, <laughs> uh, and and then you know I, I always think of when people talk about incivility in politics. I, I like to remind people there was a man who was literally caned on the Senate floor um, in at one point in U.S. history. So we haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, we'll we'll see if it continues down the road. It's going. Who I don't caned? I don't remember. It was it was a century or so ago. Yeah. Um, um, but it was yeah. It was, I mean, it was brawls are brawls are fairly frequent in in, in parliamentary bodies, like mm-hmm. in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. I've seen them happen in Sri Lanka, uh, but we don't tend to do that here. But <laughs> but the the uh, to me, I, you know, again, I was I remember when I first got elected to the state house back in the early nineties. Uh, folks who had been there a decade earlier, uh, one Republican, conservative Republican, who approached me because we were working on something in common. He said, you know, is it is it true that people no longer keep their word if they tell you they're going to vote a certain way? They back. They back away from that? I said, yeah, it's happening. And he was shocked. And now it's gotten a lot worse than that. Oh, yeah. Um, But I would say that despite that, you know, we've seen there's still a a sense of decorum, at least in the Iowa legislature. Mm -hmm. But the the lack of decorum in the public discourse outside of those chambers where – you know, decorum may be a facade in some in some cases, mm-hmm. but but there's there's no there's no hiding it out in the uh, especially with the with the assistance of of uh, of, uh, of the cyber world. It's gotten pretty awful. It has, and there's and there's a whole lot of reasons behind that too. One of which is uh, a lack of nuance in discussing everything because of that whole tribal element that we just want to pick a position and then and, and then defend that with all of our strength. We don't like the idea that okay, well, we might be kind of right and kind of wrong. There might be uh, there might be some things that are that are uh, sensible that our position has, and some that are completely insensible that we need to reject because it's it's an all or nothing affair all the time, and well, that gets really frustrating from where I'm at. Yeah, sure. Well, wouldn't you? say, though, that, uh, I mean, this is my observation from four decades of being involved in this stuff, is that uh, with Donald Trump at the helm, we've seen a notable uh, increase in the lack of civility, uh, spilling out beyond cyber world into the streets. Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of folks who would argue, and, and some with very strong evidence to support them, that we've seen a rise in in the uh, the comfort that white supremacists feel about being vocal about their 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 bigotry, mm-hmm. and um, and that's enabled by a president who uh, I think probably 
lacks civility more than anybody who's ever held that office, at least in, in my recollection. Again, maybe there was somebody back in earlier times that was as vitriolic. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the example he's setting is fueling the lack of civility. Again, primarily from the extreme edge of the right, but you've also got folks on the other side who respond in kind sometimes with pretty, you know, pretty, uh, pretty harsh statements. Well, there's been a lot of beatings and street riots and, and street fights, and we had Base Stick Man making an appearance. We had the Berkeley riots when Shapiro went to speak there. I mean, there's, there's all sorts. It's funny that we have, you know, more than one Berkeley riot to discuss now. Uh, <laughs> Not really funny, which, but which one are we curious, talking about yeah, this yeah. time? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my, my, my uh, thought on that would be that typically democratic societies in any form get what they deserve in terms of leaders. And that's a that's a principle that's it's highly unfortunate, but it's a it's a result of being free. Is you have that right to choose. Now you're stuck with what you chose. Do we deserve Trump? Well, that's I mean we vote the, the, the votes were there, yeah. and so I, I I wonder constantly whether Trump is the cause or the effect. What I saw was a lot of toxicity building into 2016. You had this overriding anger that was reported on all over the place that that catapulted him and others to power. Was that the cause or was that the result? I'd say it's both. I, I mean I'd, I'd say that he definitely benefited from. Uh, that uh, that element, the, the dissatisfaction, that uh, that uh, complete uh, distrust of the status quo, mm -hmm. uh, and and then I'd also say though that he is fueling additional uh, anger mm -hmm. and hostility. Yep, I think that's that's what put him into power, and I think he's playing to his playing to his strength right now. Um, and but I, but I also think in American politics is always a pendulum, and so my hope is that we've gone far enough one direction with the with the anger that we'll start to see a swing back to reason, and I, I want to try to push that as much as I can. Yeah. Well, and part of the swing back to reason means listening to people who may not agree with us on everything. That mm -hmm. we, we may have some some areas where we don't have common ground. Right. How, I mean. The Democratic Party is talking about that because there, there are some of the Democratic Party who feel, oh, we won suburbia. Now all we need to do is just win big in the urban counties and to heck with the uh, rural areas. Mm -hmm. But there are other more moderate voices in the party. Um, and when I say moderate, I, I don't mean in terms of issues. I mean in terms of thinking. Let's mm -hmm. uh, say, wait a minute. We, we, we need to be a party that, that reaches out to people beyond the suburban and urban base. Mm -hmm. uh, there needs to be an, a, an understanding of where rural um, Iowans, in this case, are at. Mm -hmm. And I see the same thing happening on the Republican side. Republicans, you, you've got a, a core of the Republican Party that just can't stand anything to do with, you know, Latinos. <laughs> and then you've got some saying, but wait a minute, you know, politically and policy-wise, we need to extend some bridges here. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there's there's tension on both sides, mm -hmm. and I think there's there's again that tendency to make everything very pigeonholed and very uh, very uh, polar, I guess, on everything is really hurting us. And when, I'm, when I, I heard you mention uh, bold Iowa there, and, and you said talking about climate change, well, I have one opinion on that, and then you talk about eminent domain, and I think we would probably be completely in agreement on all things em eminent well, domain. Let's let's find out <laughs> in the next segment. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a similar thing. Yeah. I saw another post this morning about uh, about a new poll uh, set of polls that's come out on immigration, where you have a pretty strong majority who are. Uh, in favor of slowing or stopping illegal immigration in the country right now. But at the same time, they're also not in favor of deportation. They're also not in favor of a lot of the measures that are being taken now mm -hmm. regarding people that are already here. So what do you do with that? Do you, you know, climb all, all aboard to one side? Do you climb all aboard to the other side? Do you say, well, maybe there's a component of each side here that the American people want, according to the polls at least. Maybe we should consider a compromise. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what um, – I don't, I don't know how to address this comprehensively because I do think – I do think while, you know, we're, 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 we're live streaming four segments of this program today. First one, we 
do a tarot card reading for Trump. Um, <laughs> second, I want to talk about my New Year's resolutions and meditation. This segment, and then we'll talk about climate change. I predict this is the least viewed segment. Because, <laughs> Probably. Not because of you or, or me, or, but it's because of the content. Sure. It's just it's, it's not that it's not that exciting to talk about civility. Right. And that's part of the problem, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, it is. And, and, and but I also think historically that's because we've, we've gotten to the point now where we actively avoid any kind of disagreement because we assume that it's going to get ugly fast. Mm. And that hasn't always been the case. There, there was a time where people would get together. I mean, during the founding of the country, people got together in taverns. And guess what they did? They argued and they shouted and they drank. That's that's what they did, and that's how they formed the consensus that they needed to overthrow the British uh, rule and and start America. Like that's that that is the places that those thoughts came to be. And so to flesh out those ideas, I don't think we need to avoid controversy or or arguing or fighting or all that. We just need to do it better. We just need to say, hey, we can disagree about these things. We can knock each other um, on the ideals and and come to what's true, and then still be friends at the end of it. Yeah. Let's do that in the next segment. All right. All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Joel Curtinite is with us, folks. And when we come back from a short break here on the Fallon Forum, we're going to talk about climate change. Time to entertain. Think of Gateway Market to handle all the details. Gateway offers a wide variety of stress-free options like cut-to-order cheese and charcuterie, a delicious olive bar, and a wide variety of chef-prepared dips and spreads. Or let Gateway's catering team take care of the entire event, right down to the wine and beer pairings. Gateway's expert floral designers can even customize the perfect centerpieces. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more information. Gateway Market, good food, great entertaining. Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep, and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Sid's Catering is owned by Sid Cohn, whose culinary career spans an eclectic variety of cities, kitchens, dishes, and awards. Sid got her first taste of the food and hospitality industry as a youngster growing up in scenic northeast Iowa, where her family operated a vacation home that catered to an international clientele. Every one of Sid's catering arrangements is custom-made, and much of the food she uses comes from local sources with vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options. Sid will provide whatever you need. That's Catering by Sid, spelled C-Y-D. For all your accounting needs, both business and personal, contact Ying Sa at Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. It seems that tax law changes every year. You want an accountant who's up to speed on the latest twists and turns, someone who can help make sure your tax return is filed accurately, in a timely manner, and properly, so you don't end up paying any more than you need to pay. So give Ying Sa, the founder of Community CPA, a call at 515-288-3188. That's 515-288-3188. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed, with you here broadcasting from Lorena. 1260 AM and 96.5 FM in Des Moines. 
Uh, with me is Joel Curtinitis, and uh, we just had a nice conversation about civility. And now we're going to show you how to fight um, civilly. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. We're going to talk about climate change. And uh, I'm reading uh, Joel's tweet from uh, January 3rd where you say there's actually a pretty strong case that warming could improve life on Earth, expand agriculture, free up more land, improve life expectancy, etc. Joel, what the heck? Tell me what you're talking about here. <laughs> so uh, broader, I guess broader context on this, I am an open-minded skeptic uh, on climate change. I... I see a lot of evidence for, I see a lot of evidence against, and to me it's hard to come to a conclusion until you dismiss all the all the conflicting evidence. And so that's what I'm waiting for, and I'm trying to, to find sources to do that. As far as this goes, though, uh, it's an argument that I just almost never see discussed. There's just sort of this foregone conclusion that if the models are correct and everything does proceed the way that uh, the way that the IPCC expects it to, that everything's going to be negative, we're going to see, you know, this uncontrollable heating of the world that's going to result in mass destruction and chaos. And um, what I never really see addressed is the is the potential for positive developments in relation to climate change. What I mean is there is um, in the Sahara, you've got reverse des desertification happening as a result of increased moisture due to climate change. So if you take that in, in uh, conjunction with the uh, ability to have agriculture in more tundra, uh, prior tundra lands up north where you've got uh, – in uninhabitable land now being opened up by climate change. Now, if you have this, you've got the fact that more people die of cold every year than of heat. Um, it's not even close, really. And so, like, th these are factors that you think, okay, is not, not that there won't be bad side effects as well, but is it something that human beings can adapt to? Is there enough in the plus column to potentially offset the minus column? And I never have seen uh, anybody make a case on that because they don't get that far. Well, the, but, the argument is always, is it happening or not? You no, know? no, I, no, I don't think I, – I think we're beyond that discussion. I mean I, I don't know anybody arguing, is it happening or not? It's happening. I mean even people that I run into who mm -hmm. may still not be convinced that it's human-induced mm -hmm. agree that it's happening. I mean how do, you, how do we not – I mean it, it, you look at – we have the coldest April on record. Uh, we have – we have in January that I've there's nothing nothing like this ever in my life. You, no, um, no snow, mm -hmm. temperatures in the forties, fifties. I do remember playing tennis in January when I was a teenager. So I did. If there's been yeah. short stretches of it, right? But, uh, but an mm -hmm. entire yeah. It just so I, I mean mm -hmm. the even beyond the anecdotal stuff, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's and again I, I here's my scientific background. I flunked biology in, in high school. <laughs> I took it again and I barely passed. I made it through chemistry, and that was my final. Those are my only three courses in, in science my entire high school and college career. I'm not proud of that, but I had other things I wanted to focus on. I, I'm, sure. not, I'm, not, I'm not scientifically astute, but I can read and I can mm -hmm. think. And there's no way you can look, in my opinion, there's no way you can look at what they're saying and, and not be concerned. Now, I understand. Maybe what you're talking about is because of the increase in carbon dioxide, plants love carbon dioxide. It facilitates their growth, their foliage growth. Um, yeah, maybe there will be some residual benefit to that. I mean, I can give you a, an example of that right now. Um, my cold frame. Uh, we plant cold frames in October, mm -hmm. and the plants come up a little teeny tiny bit, and then they just kind of sit there all winter, but not this year. I've got arugula. We've got lettuce, arugula, spinach that we'll probably be harvesting before the end of the month. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that. <laughs> but it really, really worries me on a mm -hmm. deeper level because, you know, again, part of the problem, of course, is it's not just about the weather. It's about all the other things that happen. It's about the mm -hmm. pests that no longer die because it doesn't get cold enough. Mm -hmm. 
is about the soil that no longer gets replenished because it doesn't freeze deeply enough. Well, welcome to Florida life. I grew up in Florida, so we lived with it already. Yeah. <laughs> now, now Iowa's just got to put up with it too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, in Florida, I mean, it's one thing that makes the upper Midwest an amazing place to grow food is is the, 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 the dramatic season changes, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. Yeah. We, we're not getting that this year. And I'm not a scientist either, but I, I'm, a, I'm a science nerd. I, I, I love all things scientific. If I had it to do over again, there's, there's uh, definitely I, I would have considered going into some of these fields. So, you know, but, if I had to, had to do it over again, I wouldn't have even taken those two biology or chemistry courses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what, though? On, uh, on climate change, I did a couple of interviews a couple of years ago for an article. And uh, one of the guys that I interviewed was uh, Joe D'Alio, who was uh, involved with the Weather Channel. I don't, I, think, I don't think he was one of the co-founders, but he was the chief meteorologist there for a while or me- consulting meteorologist. And he gave me a lot of perspective on this from a skeptic's point of view because, as, as a lot of people, he would come out and say, well, I'm not saying it's not possible or it's not happening. What I would say is that there's a lot of problems with the data. And if you're listening to what people say, you will get one opinion. If you're looking at the actual numbers, you'll get a different opinion. And that's the problem is there's so much appeal to authority that people who are skeptical by nature go, well, hold on. I, I don't want to just say because X number of people said something, it must be true. Show me the numbers. And that's where you run into trouble because you've got different data sets with different collections measures and people pointing at each one saying different but, things. But you have near unanimity among scientists on the core data, on the core problem and the likely outcomes. Uh, uh, some you, of the you, likely uh, outcomes, but then they revise the data sets every couple of years. There's been scandals like ClimateGate that have affected public opinion of it. And then you also have the fact that um, you know these prediction models have been off by so much. You had a 15-year pause, and now all the things that they said were going to happen have not. Starting with, and again, as a Florida kid, I look at storm activity, right? What we just went through after before last year, the 15 years prior to that were the least hurricane activity in recorded history. Well, so, uh, yeah. what happened? Well, um, <laughs> There's other factors, of course, as well, but mm-hmm. uh, but but one thing that the, the data confirm is that storms, generally speaking, are going to be stronger. Um, we, we had this nine-inch rainfall in June here in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. That was uh, it was just a deluge, and it flooded streets and businesses and killed one person. And uh, it's kind of amazing. It only killed one person. I know other people who were trapped in that. I just don't know how they survived. Mm-hmm. I was out driving that night. It was pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and we, we the, the, some of the tornadoes we've had. I mean, we've had two here in central Iowa last year. We didn't have a lot of tornadoes, but the ones we had were pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. And, again, it was a fairly quiet uh, hurricane season in terms of number, but the two big ones were big. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, and we've seen incredible uh, typhoons out in the uh, Pacific Ocean. Right. You know, I, I don't uh, – what they're saying is true. I don't see how you – know, maybe they, be, they might be off in terms of uh, predicting when, but mm-hmm. overall, my, pre- my impression is if they're off, it's because they aren't – they're being too conservative, <laughs> and they're not predicting it coming quickly enough. I mean, they're behind in terms of how quickly this stuff is changing. There was a report a couple of weeks ago that I read uh, from a lady, I want to say up in New York, and I, I wish I could cite this, but that's one of the things I forgot to look up this morning, uh, saying that the predictions were off in terms of time, uh, mm-hmm. not in terms of reliability. I think part of the problem, once you get past that, though, is that I, I'm, I'm open to the fact of, uh, that, that it is happening and that the effects could be the same. What I want to see is somebody honest enough to deal with that conflicting data and say, okay, why is there so much variance between satellite data and ground data? Why, why is that? Because that's, that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people. And instead of addressing it, and this goes back to the civility question, right? Instead of addressing that, we just get called deniers. Okay, so so uh, wh- why is there such a discrepancy between ground data and 
satellite data. Right. There's been a, a trend okay. of over 12 years of We're, we're going to make a note data. to invite somebody on our program next week mm-hmm. to talk about this. Somebody mm-hmm. who didn't flunk biology <laughs> and only had three courses in high school and college. Sure. Uh, and mm-hmm. somebody at least at least you've thought about doing more with science. Oh I'll yeah, that. oh yeah. I know. But, I, I love it. I, I geek it all the time. But the other question is, from from a skeptic, skeptical perspective, is it's not enough to say there is a problem, right? Because even if you agree on the problem, then you have the sure. problem of what should solutions. the solutions sure. be, and that's the problem that so many people have with things like the Paris Accords, where if every country lived up to every standard in those accords, which is almost certainly not going to happen, it still would have only reduced about two percent of our emissions, which wouldn't put even a dent in climate change. But the cost to those nations would be colossal, and especially uh, those policies tend to hurt the poorest because the rich people can afford to do whatever they want. They can get green cars. They can get green everything. But if you're living you know, tank of gas to tank of gas, you can't. You don't really have a lot of those options. And so those impacts on the economies is what, when we look at solutions, we have to weigh that against this certain devastation that's going to happen. But of course, the response that you hear from some people is there are no jobs on a dead planet. And that's Mm -hmm. the concern is that we're, I I think, and I think that's an overstatement. I I think somehow planet Earth is going to do fine. I mean, we're looking at a, what, a four billion, uh, you're okay with the four billion year cycle? Sure. Okay. Uh, I know some some folks who come from a conservative (laughs) perspective see it as being four to five thousand years old. But we're not there. Okay, good. It's, 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 a, topic, it's a topic for a different day. <laughs> a different I, day. I could, okay. I could go that nerd route as well, but we don't okay. have time for it. All right. <laughs> but uh, but I mean the 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 um, the, the, the idea is that Earth is going to survive whatever we do. Although there are, I mean, it's it's not speculative. There are already hundreds and hundreds of species going extinct all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're losing all sorts of ge- genetic diversity as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's humanity and other life forms that currently exist that are really being compromised by climate change. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem is, of course, is, again, for me, I, I believe the IPCC report. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the National Climate Assessment. I believe, uh, you know, I, I believe what the majority of scientists are saying, sure. even though I can't articulate it, you know, in the same manner because I don't have a scientific background. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, we, we have to act quickly and we have to act decisively. And, you know, yeah, it's going to cost money. Yeah, it's going to take sacrifice. Is there, is there anything – I mean, my, my hope is that we find a way to move off of fossil fuels as quickly as possible while trying to, you know, move into a renewable energy portfolio that is more decentralized, more diverse, um, that involves more opportunity for, for individuals, for, you know, homeowners, for farmers, for small businesses as well. I don't know how you feel. That, that to me, would be my – my dream come true would be we suddenly understand that we've got to do this and we've got to do it quickly. Well, I'm willing to be convinced on that, and I'm willing to take drastic action if if there is a solution that says this will work. But the problem so far is that we're being asked to make these sacrifices with some sort of blind faith that it's going to improve things in a way that is not really quantifiable because the numbers so far have said it's not really going to change our fate. So I think there's two discussions that need to happen. One, can we stop this or has the train already left the station? Well, and that's then two, a good question. <laughs> well, and, and then two, if we can't, maybe that energy is better directed towards adapting. Well, if, well, I, I, I would say we have to do both. I mean, the train has left the station and we're seeing that more and more every year. Uh, we're seeing that right now in the Midwest in January. But um, that doesn't mean that we can't slow that train down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't I mean, again, if you, and if you listen to what's being, what we're being told, is we have to slow it down. Because if temperature rises above 2 degrees Celsius, 3, 4, if it gets, if it gets, if it gets above 
that and keeps going, then it's hard to say exactly how those feedback loops are going to play out. But it, there's very there aren't many favorable favorable outcomes. Again, yeah, you said the you know climate change could be good for us. I can show you a cold frame that would agree with you <laughs> right now, but that's the small that's the small immediate sure. and sidebar picture. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 I just um you know it's I tell you it's hard enough to get Democrats to agree to do anything on climate change. <laughs> You know, I'll bet if we can get to the point where the Republican Party, the conservative party, the party that says we want to preserve what we have, <laughs> would agree that um, we need to take drastic action on this, you know, we could do it. I, it might take the Republican Party to push the Democratic Party forward. I don't know. Sure. And that's something we can do, but I, I think you know, going back to the civility in, in politics discussion, that's where the conversation around climate change needs to it needs to itself change. We we, we you're not going to get anywhere with people by saying you hate science. Why are you a backward barbarian? It just it doesn't it doesn't help the discussion at all. It just gets people to dig in and entrench further, as opposed to showing the data and letting people draw conclusions. So I can't call you a knuckle dragger. No, you can call me whatever you want. I'm, 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 <laughs> at this point, I'm pretty resilient. <laughs> I bet you are. You're probably taking a few hits. Yeah. No, and uh, that's something you and I have. Comment. We've both taken our, our share of hits, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, I, we're gonna, we'll get that we'll get that scientific voice on here to take take your challenge sure. of comparing the ground data with the satellite data, and I hope you'll tune into that yeah. or at least listen to the podcast mm-hmm. the live stream after the fact and and share your feedback. Sure, um, I'd love to. Yeah, I think that's important. tag me. So <laughs> I, I, I will tag you, uh, folks. We've been talking with Joel Curtinitis here on the Fallon Forum. He's a uh, self-describe what conservative libertarian homeschooler? Do I have it right? Sure. Did I, I miss? Although did I miss this week I would just I would settle for reasonable person. Reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, we'll give you that. Uh, and and I'm a really good writer. I really enjoy your columns. Appreciate so that. So keep those coming. Uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. If you're listening on our community-owned station, stay tuned. We have another segment coming up for you. Again, the Fallon, for, for, the Fallon Forum broadcasts live every Monday, 11 o'clock to 12 noon Central Time on Lorena, 1260 AM and uh, 96.5 FM from uh, Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here. If you follow me on Facebook, you might have noticed, though, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, I announced my decision to, after about, what, 30 years, quit my subscription to the Des Moines Register. Uh, The biggest reason is that they pretty much lack any consistent coverage of the climate crisis. Interestingly, the day after I ended my subscription, they had a big story on climate. But, you know, this is a crisis. When you have a crisis, you don't have an occasional story. You cover it as, it's a, as if it's a crisis. Now, again, some I like some of the folks who work at the Register, uh, but I also found that they are less responsive than they used to be. I used to be able to get a call back or, or response to an email message from anyone there, and now that doesn't happen. So I pulled, my, I pulled the plug, and I'm glad I did. I was glancing at the register online today. This is uh, the January 8th, 2019 edition. And I'm not making this up, folks. This is the, if you look at the the paper online, this is the lineup of stories. I'm going to give you the first, what, 10 or 12 stories, the headlines. Here they are. 
Homicide tally cut in half after bloody 2017. Next, handful of Iowa women train dogs to find the dead. <laughs> Next, Des Moines man claimed to be undercover cop to teen girl. Next, Missouri man's body recovered after vehicle crashes in river. Next, kayaker dies after being pulled from river near Pella. Next, police, man shot in arm, sent to hospital. <laughs> Next, Missouri governor receives pushback for a proposal on guns. Okay, that actually might be news, even though it's Missouri, not in Iowa. Warren County faces handicapped 9-11 system. Again, fear. Uh, next, police. Des Moines school bus goes off-road. And um, <laughs> the one other thing that was in that first mix of articles was a pat on the back, feel-good story about the register recognizing young professionals in the metro area. You know, if I had any remorse at all about discontinuing my 30-year relationship with the Des Moines Register, you know, today's paper kind of reminded me why it was a really good idea. I'm sorry, folks. You know, if your whole focus is to scare us, is to um, just kind of take the police report and make, you know, make news stories out of that, because actually there were a couple other stories in the paper that also started with police colon. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this is not real news. So what is... If the register is not covering real news, what is it missing? Well, you know, I googled climate change news and all sorts of stuff comes up. Here's the, um, here's uh, California and Puerto Rico recognizing their common, uh, you know, common concerns they face because of climate change working together. That's big news. This is even bigger news. The U.S. Supreme Court refused to block ExxonMobil's uh, allegations of climate fraud. That's a big deal because the attorney uh, general in Massachusetts, uh, Maura Healy, uh, has uh, years ago, a couple years back, filed um, a report alleging, or a lawsuit rather, alleging that Exxon had misled the public and its own investors about the severity of climate change. Now, that's an investigation uh, that several other states had initiated as well. And we were very disappointed here in Iowa that Attorney General Tom Miller, despite you know attempts to convince him otherwise, declined to join that investigation. So um, this is big news because, the, again, the allegation is that ExxonMobil knew way back in the 1970s about climate change. Its own researchers, its own scientists made it really clear that climate change was happening and that it was related to the use of fossil fuels. What do they do? Instead of saying, well, maybe we should change our plan here. Maybe we should come up with a different business model. They doubled down. They expanded. And not, you know, when they learned that, this is the, one of the worst parts, when they learned that the Arctic was going to be increasingly ice-free, instead of like using that that alarm to do something different, they decided to uh, to find ways of establishing oil rigs where they could take advantage of the uh, the the lower ice pack to drill for more oil. So, um, you know, we've been concerned that the courts are being packed by President Trump with really, really far-right, very partisan activist judges. Despite that, the Supreme Court, you know, just this week, ruled against ExxonMobil attempting to... Um, to uh, you know, negate the Massachusetts Attorney General's lawsuit over their 
deception on climate change. And so um, what happens now is uh, Exxon has to, um, to present uh, a lot of documents and information that hopefully will reveal more about, uh, about what it knew. And, um, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens from there. So again, I don't know why this wasn't a story in the Des Moines Register. I don't know why it wasn't a story all over the country. I will say this, the one thing that did make the Des Moines Register today re relevant to climate, even though climate was never mentioned in the story, was the Associated Press article regarding the decision in North Dakota by a judge uh, uh, to... Um, uh, to basically basically saying that the Army Corps of Engineers did not adequately study the impact of the Dakota Access Pipeline on the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, and uh, that they need to do a better job. Uh, they need to move forward. That their records need to be reviewed um, by or should be reviewed by the attorneys for the Standing Rock Tribe. So that's um yeah to the register's credit that article was in there. Um, Thank you for that. Again, climate change was never mentioned as one of the reasons why people are concerned about the Dakota Access Pipeline. And again, we, you know, I share the concerns of uh, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe that the pipeline affects their water, that it is a, an infringement on their sovereign uh, territory. Uh, those are all really, 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 really legitimate points. But to talk about an oil pipeline without mentioning the climate concern is a major oversight. But again, at least AP covered that story. And at least the register, perhaps because they couldn't, maybe they couldn't find another story about a, a police shooting or an accident or a fire or a murder or some gory, fear-based story. Maybe they just, maybe they needed filler, so they grabbed that AP story. Maybe that's it. Anyway, climate news is out there all over the place, folks. You're not going to find it oftentimes in the mainstream media, so keep looking elsewhere. It's out there, and there's a lot of important stuff happening. Welcome to uh, springtime in Iowa. January 8th, I guess we're going to call it springtime. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to change, but we've had crazy weather. I tried to dig a spade into the, into the ground the other day, and I, I got right in, no problem at all, and only a very, very tiny bit of frost. That's never happened. That's not right. Um, again, folks, let's figure this climate change thing out before it gets too late. So uh, I was reflecting on 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 the, uh, the experience of spring on the Great March for Climate Action when we were walking across Arizona. And I, I, just, I came to a section of the, um, of the book Marcher, Walker, Pilgrim, which I want to share with you. And by the way, for uh, folks who happen to live in Ames or the greater Ames area, I will be uh, reading from my book and discussing climate change at the Ames Drinking Liberally event. That's going to be on uh, Friday the 11th of January at uh, the Buford Steakhouse at 5 o'clock, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Buford Steakhouse at, I think it's 2601 East 13th Street in Ames. Come if you can. But I want to share this little section from the book. Um, again, our coldest conditions on the Great March for Climate Action were, believe it or not, Arizona. We hit the worst weather when we arrived at 8,000 feet. And this is the part of my book after we leave Payson, Arizona, just before we get to the high desert and high desert in April, and it was, uh, it was a miserable experience. Uh, we leave Payson on April 15, walking through a very different landscape than most of what we've experienced in Arizona. For me and other marchers who missed the familiar comfort of green, the towering ponderosa pines and other conifers are a welcome respite from the sparse sandscape of the Sonoran Desert. 
we enjoy two beautiful sheltered campsites, though the nights have again grown noticeably colder. On April 17, we camped just south of the Muggian Rim. For over a week, we've watched the rim draw closer with every turn of the road. I'm reminded, reminded of other mountains I've climbed, how the excitement and expectation build as one approaches the ascent to the summit. From a distance and now up close, the rim looks and feels like any other mountain, sensational yet familiar. And I'm puzzled as to why it's called the rim. The road today is steeper than any we've encountered. High altitude forces us to stop often and catch our breath. I admire the spectacular vista to the south, each peak shorter than the one to its north. The mountains diminishing in grandeur as they roll toward the parched desert below, like visual claps of thunder fading beyond the horizon. As always, we walk toward oncoming traffic, which today is light. Still, the road is dangerous with frequent sharp blind curves. Drivers aren't expecting walkers, and there's little we can do to warn them of our presence. We hear vehicles approaching well in advance, giving us time to hug the cliffs that line the road. Reaching the rim is exhilarating. It's as if we've just scaled Mount Everest. I expect to see more mountains north and east. Instead, the land suddenly and dramatically flattens. Well, I guess those Bible thumbers are right, I joke. The earth is flat and we just crawled over its edge. It does indeed feel as if we've scrambled up the side of the earth and now triumphantly survey a planet lush with pine trees. I suppress the knowledge that in a few miles, the pines will yield to scraggly junipers, then to high desert, where it can be cold, windy, and often inhospitable in spring. We rest just beyond the rim at 8,000 feet. I am utterly exhausted. Shira and Steve found the ascent challenging too, but it hits me the hardest. This altitude is kicking my butt, I say. All three of us hail from flat country, but you guys seem to be handling it better. Yeah, maybe it's not the altitude, says Steve. Maybe it's all that weight you've dropped. Well, I say, I've been feeling sluggish since Payson and have dropped 24 pounds in just six weeks. But you've lost a bunch of weight too, right? Yeah, says Steve, 20 pounds. But that was weight I could afford to lose. You, not so much. I consider Steve's viewpoint. Nah, you're no doctor, I say. It's the altitude, I, con I conclude defiantly. But I'm uneasy. I've always listened to my body, and right now it's telling me something's wrong, something I need to figure out soon or pay the consequences. That's from my book, March Your Walk, a Pilgrim, and in terms of figuring stuff out soon or paying the consequences, yeah, climate change is on us, folks, and we better get our act together. This is Ed Fallon on the Fallon Forum.